0: Hello, my friends. It's October 14th, and this is where we encourage each other to take in the whole landscape of Redemption's history as we travel through the 66 books of the Bible, making daily progress as we spend this half hour together. Yes, this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, and I am your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church here in the United States of America in the historic town of Concord, Massachusetts in part of the country known as New England. The beauty of a podcast is that you can subscribe wherever you are and get your podcast on Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Pandora, YouTube, and schedule it to download and play daily. Many have told me that it keeps them at it. Others are proceeding reading through the Bible at their own pace and can do that by just playing the sequential episodes on your playlist. This helps you get some additional information on the historical context and meaning. You can also program your voice recognition digital assistant to play the One Year Bible Tour Guide on Amazon or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast streaming service. I spoke to some people this weekend who prefer to get the written copy in a daily email as they are not particularly tech-savvy when it comes to downloading podcasts. And you can subscribe to a free written transcript of the commentary of each day's Bible reading by going to our website, newlife.org. That's one word, newlife.org. We are reading from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament and Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians in the New Testament. In the book of Jeremiah, we are learning of the false prophets who mislead the people, prophesying peace, peace, where there is no peace. So let's pick up where we left off yesterday in Jeremiah chapter 23, and we will be beginning from verse 21. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel... Then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies, and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat? declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire? declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness, when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. When one of this people or a prophet or a priest asks you, What is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, You are the burden, and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. And as for the prophet, priest, or one of the people who says, The burden of the Lord, I will punish that man and his household. Thus shall you say, Everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, What has the Lord answered, or what has the Lord spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more, for the burden is every man's own word, and you pervert the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you shall say to the Prophet, What has the Lord answered you? Or what has the Lord spoken? But if you say, The burden of the Lord, Thus says the Lord, Because you have said these words, The burden of the Lord, when I sent to you, saying, You shall not say the burden of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence, you and the city that I gave you and your fathers. And I will bring upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. Chapter 24 The Good Figs and the Bad Figs After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken into exile from Jerusalem, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, together with the officials of Judah, the craftsmen and the metal workers, and had brought them to Babylon, the Lord showed me this vision. Behold, two baskets of figs placed before the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, like first ripe figs, but the other basket had very bad figs, so bad that they could not be eaten. And the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I said, Figs, the good figs very good, and the bad figs very bad, so bad that they cannot be eaten. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down i will plant them and not pluck them up i will give them a heart to know that i am the lord and they shall be my people and i will be their god for they shall return to me with their whole heart but thus says the lord like the bad figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten so will i treat zedekiah the king of judah his officials, the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt, I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a reproach, a byword, a taunt, and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them, and I will send sword, famine, and pestilence upon them, until they shall be utterly destroyed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. CHAPTER twenty-five. Seventy years of captivity. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For twenty three years, from the thirtieth year of Josiah the son of Ammon king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants the prophets, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds, and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you, and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands, then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction, and make them a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstones and the light of the lamp." This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Then after seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon that land all the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in this book. Which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves even of them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. The Cup of the Lord's Wrath. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it, They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me drink it, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, its kings and officials, to make them a desolation and a waste, a hissing and a curse, as at this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his officials, all his people, and all the mixed tribes among them, all the kings of the land of Uz, and all the kings of the land of the Philistines, Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon, all the kings of Tyre, all the kings of Sidon, and the kings of the coastland across the sea, Dedan, Tema, Buz, and all who cut the corners of their hair, all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of the mixed tribes who dwell in the desert, all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, all the kings of Medea, all the kings of the north, far and near, one after another, and all the kingdoms of the world that are on the face of the earth, and after them the king of Babylon shall drink. Then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk and vomit, fall and rise no more, because of the sword that I am sending among you. And if they refuse to accept the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You must drink. For behold, I begin to work disaster at the city that is called by my name, and shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished. For I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. You, therefore, shall prophesy against them all these words, and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high, and from his holy habitation utter his voice. He will roar mightily against his fold, and shout, like those who tread grapes, against all the inhabitants of the earth. The clamor will resound to the ends of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh, and the wicked he will put to the sword, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, disaster is going forth from nation to nation, and a great tempest is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. And those pierced by the Lord on that day shall extend from one end of the earth to the other. They shall not be lamented, or gathered, or buried. They shall be dung on the surface of the ground. Wail, you shepherds, and cry out, and roll in the ashes, you lords of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and dispersion have come, and you shall fall like a choice vessel. No refuge will remain for the shepherds, nor escape for the lords of the flock. A voice, the cry of the shepherds, and the wail of the lords of the flock. For the Lord is laying waste their pasture, and the peaceful folds are devastated because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Like a lion, he has left his lair, for their land has become a waste, because of the sword of the oppressor and because of his fierce anger. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, our passage today from the book of Jeremiah. Now let's take a few moments to recap what we just read and make some reflections. Today's reading began with a continuation of the Lord's assessment on the role of the false prophets in Jeremiah's day. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people, and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 21 and 22. People are running with their own thoughts today without taking counsel from the word of the Lord. Jeremiah is letting the false teachers and prophets know that they are responsible for turning the people of God in the wrong direction. Jeremiah's words to the leaders, the kings, priests, teachers and prophets highlight the fact that human beings are responsible for communicating truth to the people they influence. And the people are responsible and accountable for either their obedience or disobedience to God's revealed truth. Our reading in Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians yesterday confirms that those who are disobedient to the gospel will suffer for it in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Teachers have a greater responsibility before God because they are called to communicate His truth. In the book of James we read in the third chapter, verse 1, let not many of you become teachers my brethren knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment jeremiah chapter 23 verses 34 and verses 39 through 40 also illustrate this verse 22 also highlights the fact that god knows how people would have responded if they had more light or accurate information jeremiah 23 verse 22 we read but if they had stood in my counsel." then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. The Lord knows how people would have responded if they had been given the unadulterated truth. Jesus knew that the people of Sodom would have repented if they had the same degree of the light of Christ as did the Galilean cities. In Matthew chapter 11 verses 20 through 24, Jeremiah reminds those pretending to be prophets, that God knows when they are faking it, borrowing other people's messages, preaching their own dreams, and fabricating false prophecies. New Testament churches should not be dream centers, but communities of Bible believers who are being built up in the Word of God and are actively obedient to it. God's Word is living and active. God deals with His people through the ministry of the Word. He exposes that which is false, He renders the verdict of the cross by judging all that is condemnable, that is our flesh. He brings to our minds what is true and empowers us to live accordingly. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. In chapter 24, after King Jehoiakim and the officials were carried off into Babylonian exile, Jeremiah is given the vision of the two baskets of figs, one with good figs and another with bad, inedible figs. Those who are obedient to Jeremiah's message and willingly surrender to the Babylonians, are the good figs. Their families will be once again planted in the land after seventy years of their captivity are over. The poor figs represent those who have rendered themselves useless in God's plan through their own disobedience. I will make them a terror and an evil for all the kingdoms of the earth as a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places where I will scatter them, I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence upon them until they are destroyed from the land which I gave to them and their forefathers. Jeremiah chapter 24, verses 9 and 10. Jeremiah chapter 25 summarizes the history of disobedience among the people of Judah. For twenty three years, Jeremiah has been prophesying, along with other prophets, a call to repentance, and the people have not listened. Jeremiah 25, verse 3. Jeremiah reminds them that although the Lord has chosen to bring destruction upon them, they have brought this destruction upon themselves. You have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Jeremiah 25, verse 7. Jeremiah pronounces the judgment. This whole land will be a desolation and a horror, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Jeremiah chapter twenty-five verse eleven, Jeremiah also announces that a judgment will fall upon Babylon at the end of the seventy years. In Jeremiah chapter twenty-five verses twelve through fourteen, they will be made slaves to another nation, the Medo-Persians. Jeremiah is then shown the cup of God's wrath, which represents judgment. Jeremiah chapter twenty-five verse seventeen. In the New Testament, Jesus is pictured as taking this cup. When he willingly yields himself to the Father's plan to suffer as our substitute on the cross, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 and 42, Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, and John's Gospel chapter 18, verse 11, he is willing to take the punishment incurred by the cosmic treason of our sin against him, our holy Creator God the lord then has jeremiah here his list of all the nations including his own people who had made themselves his enemies and were due the wrath of god's punishment this reminds us that we were formerly alienated and hostile in mind engaged in evil deeds in colossians 1:21 and while we were enemies in romans chapter 5 verse 10 and while we were yet sinners christ died for us in romans chapter 5 verse 8 Jeremiah is told to prophesy with a special image of judgment, grapes being trodden on in the winepress. This image is featured throughout the Bible, the grapes of wrath. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 30, Isaiah chapter 63, verses 2 and 3, Lamentations chapter 1, verse 15, Joel chapter 3, verse 13, the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. The judgment pictured here looks beyond the localized judgment of Jerusalem in 589-587 B.C. or in 70 A.D. to something more global as pictured in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, that is Revelation chapter 6 verses 4 through chapter 19 verse 21. Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 33 reads, those slain by the Lord on that day will be from one end of the earth to the other. They will not be lamented, gathered, or buried. They will be like dung on the face of the ground. Now let's move on to today's reading from the New Testament, Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. The Man of Lawlessness Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of His mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of His coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness but we ought always to give thanks to god for you brothers beloved by the lord because god chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our lord jesus christ so then brothers Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we learn that the church had been thrown into confusion due to a forged letter that they had received claiming to have come from the Apostle Paul. In this letter, the writer, claiming to be the Apostle Paul, said that the day of the Lord had already come. What this means is that the church at Thessalonica was thinking that all the events that are identified with the day of the Lord that is, the judgments upon the unbelieving world to clear a way for the kingdom of God, had already come. This is another case of over-realized eschatology. There are some today who mistakenly believe that we are in the kingdom of God right now. It is true that God reigns above all, Christ is enthroned at the right hand of God the Father, and that He currently reigns in the hearts of believers by the Holy Spirit. But the prophecies concerning the kingdom of God require the messiah to rule with a rod of iron from jerusalem over all nations paul begs the church not to be deceived the pseudo report teaching that the day of the lord had already come was a counterfeit and contained false information satan loves to make false charges against those who labor in the truth of god's word paul then outlines the sequence of end time events just as the dead in christ must rise before the rapture, the Greek word being harpazo, of the church, in First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 and 17, so there must be a great apostasy, rebellion, and manifestation of the man of sin, the Antichrist, who will set himself up in God's temple, claiming to be God and demanding worship before the second coming, the Greek word being here parousia, when the Lord returns to rule physically on the earth. The Jehovah's Witnesses were told by their founder, Charles T. Russell, that the world would end in 1874, and then revised it to 1914. After that date passed, Russell proclaimed that the Lord did come on October 1, 1914, but invisibly. The Lord Jesus apparently had exchanged His more ordinary seat at the Father's right hand for the throne of His kingdom. There are others who spiritualize away the prophecies of the kingdom, ignoring the bulk of the scriptures about the literal rule of the king of kings upon the earth. Paul reminds the believers that the Antichrist will oppose God and God's moral law and civil law. We see the spirit of Antichrist at work today, mocking the word of God, denying moral absolutes and advocating anarchy in the name of freedom. Paul then speaks of a restraining force that prevents the antichrist coming to power the lack of specificity here has caused commentators some headaches several interpretations have been suggested number 1 the role of the holy spirit and the work of the church jesus referred to the restraining impact of salt in the spread of corruption and told his disciples that they were the salt of the earth in matthew chapter 5 verse 13 number 2 Paul and the preaching of the gospel. The Thessalonians had confidence in the presence of the apostles and their teaching. There must be a witness to the gospel in all the nations. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Number three, the existing rule of law. At this time, Roman law prevailed over the land. Paul expounds in his letter to the Romans that the law is God's agent in the punishment of evil. The natural restraint against lawlessness is the law. Number four, a combination or mix of all of the above. The taking away of restraint would be the taking away of the church and the Holy Spirit's ministry empowering them as agents of the Great Commission, and the removal of the rule of law and government. Regardless of which interpretation, Paul assumes that the Thessalonians would know what he was talking about, and therefore they should not be in a panic, thinking that the day of the Lord had already passed. It is evident that a great delusion will come upon human beings at the time of the Antichrist. Therefore, we need to be alert, prayerful, and be transformed into fully devoted Christ-followers, with our minds being renewed by the Spirit-wrought ministry of the Word of God. Paul reminds believers of the gospel hope, Christ will defeat the Antichrist. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, and destroy with the brightness of His coming. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 8 As believers, we are called to share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is in His great love and mercy that we have been called to salvation by belief in the truth and by the sanctifying work of the Spirit who grooms us into conformity to the image of Christ. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which He called you by our Gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. Therefore He articulates the theme of His letter. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Don't forget the apostles' doctrine. It does us good to continue to fellowship in the gospel daily. Now to the book of Psalms. Psalm 84. How lovely is thy dwelling place. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, at your altars, O Lord of Hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord God of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. How lovely is thy dwelling place! We behold God's glory in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our dwelling place in Psalm 84, verse 4. He is our strength in verse 5. All our thoughts and affections travel the road that leads to Him in verses 5 and 6. Notice the path that has been set out for those whose hearts have been captivated by His glory. They shall go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion, and when we see Him, we shall be like Him. Beloved, we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. 1 John 3, verse 2 As those whom God has placed in Christ Jesus, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, we are looked upon with favor, for Jesus is our shield, in verse 9. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord, you surround him with favor as with a shield, in Psalm 5, verse 12. Knowing Jesus will flip your sense of what is most important. The psalmist said that now he would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. How has the Lord changed what is now important to you? What is your preferred rather, now that you know the Lord? The psalm closes with important facts and promises. It would be good to memorize these verses. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. Now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 15. With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. There are lessons to be learned as we influence those who are presently in control, perhaps a boss at work or a legislator. We must be patient. We must be proactive in our gentle but firm communication. Eventually, a ruler can be persuaded. The hard nut can crack. Now let's pray. Lord, your word in the mouth of Jeremiah was designed to pluck up, break down, destroy, and overthrow in order to build and plant. Your Word is a two-edged sword. It convicts us of sin and renders the judgment of the cross upon the thoughts and actions of our old sin nature. It releases us to serve righteousness with the power of your indwelling Holy Spirit. Thank you for planting in us a new life with new desires. Thank you that we can play a part in your work of building up the body of Christ and winning the lost. As we walk by faith, We trust you will enable us to go from strength to strength, ungirded with the blessed hope that no good thing will you withhold from those who walk your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this has been a full tour today, and we look forward to continuing our journey through Jeremiah and 2 Thessalonians tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can contact us by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to subscribe to a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fellowship that we have in your word, and I ask that you bless each one of these people listening to this podcast. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shalom.